Welcome back, everyone, to Matter of Facts. It's been a little while since we were in this studio, hasn't it, Alec? Bit of a break. Uh, not an intended break, I think, mainly because we kind of, over the holidays, it becomes a bit trickier to schedule. So that kind of backed up our January episode, which led into February and has now bled into March. But we're back on track. We have a couple podcasts scheduled sort of back-to-back over a couple weeks. So we should uh, we should start pumping out some content here soon. Well, we've both been screwing the schedule up, so I've selfishly made a trip back home to see my family in the UK. Very selfish. Unbelievable. Alex selfishly pursued some youth sporting escapades that he uh, he coaches, so selfish of Alec too. Um, But I'm in a bad mood today. Yeah, you did say that. I I did say that. A few months ago, I remember also being in a bad mood, and Mm. something happened coming into the studio as, as well, which further increased my badness of my bad mood. So I got locked out of our building this morning. The elevator wouldn't work. So I've had a few elevator issues today. The work, our work building? Yeah, they, they had locked floor two, which our office is on. Must have been before 9 a.m., was it? Before or? 9 a.m. Yeah. It's because they ha- the system hadn't accounted for the time change, which we just had this weekend onto Daylight right. Savings. So that, that was um, Amateur Hour 101. Anyway, coming into the elevator here today, I'm in, not in such a good mood. I had some, uh, some stressful stuff with work this morning. Get into the elevator in the building we're in right now, and the elevator... Just is just broken down. It has just stopped. So I While stand you're on there. What am I? I stand oh. there. Elevator's not going anywhere. I wait and I wait. Like my mood's getting worse by the second. Feeling pretty foul by this point. I'm like, great. This is my second elevator problem of the day. Mm. I had not hit the button, had I, when I got into the cab? Wow. Just one of, the, one <laughs> of those I ca- days. I called the elevator and stood in it. One of those ones. Forgot to hit I had a feeling six. that's what you're gonna say you did. That's... It's like it's like leaving something. Uh, I'm actually glad that's what you did. Not I... plugging something in, right? Anyway, so we have had a very busy couple of weeks in the city. We'll get to some interesting stuff as we always like to do on this podcast. The uh, the big news, kind of this weekend, Alec was kind of the designated on on site uh, correspondent slash expert at the U Sports <laughs> Men's Final Eight <laughs> Basketball at Scotiabank Centre, which our firm sponsored. We were mm. one of the major sponsors. Yep. And uh, you're an alum from St. FX, so you you were rooting and they got right there to the final. But uh, tell us what happens. Look like Carlton um, squeezed through. Unbelievable. It was a terrific game. I went with my brother. Um, St. FX actually had to leave for a bit there. We had a really hot start. I think we were up by 20 points at one point. Uh, the Carlton stuck with it, and they crawled back, and then uh, we went to overtime, um, and then it went to double overtime. It was it was insane. And at one point, X, I think it was either going into overtime or into double. Uh, one of the St. of X players, number 27, hit a three-pointer to tie it with 1.6 seconds left, and the crowd went bonkers. Uh, so that was a lot of fun to be a part of that. I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I'm a huge sport fan and a huge St. of X fan, of course. So I, I had a lot of fun watching that. It was, it was a heartbreak at the end to see Carlton come out on top. Uh, fun fact on Carlton, they have been kind of a wagon of a basketball team. I believe the number is... Before this, they had won 16 of the last 19 national championships or something like that. So now it's 17 of the last 20, which is very impressive. Um, St. of X was incredible. Complete kudos to them for going as far as they did. They deserve to be in that game. They deserve to be a champion. Uh, Basketball's funny. It's one of those sports where, you know, add a couple extra minutes to the clock and then St. of X could be in the league because it goes very back and forth. But unbelievable game by both. And uh, it was really cool for us to be a major sponsor. We, uh, you know, gives us access to see moments like that and 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 our clients as well getting them into the games and into the lounges that we had so that was a ton of fun i, I really enjoyed it i really enjoyed it well we all went friday night so we had the skybox friday night yeah. and um 
which was the, f- the first evening session. And like Alec, I'm not a huge basketball fan at all, but a huge fan of celebrating youth achievement. Yeah. And, and I was looking at those guys, you know, they have achieved so much. They've achieved more in the first quarter of their life than most of us will in a lifetime. Yeah. So do I love basketball? I don't. Can I stand there and appreciate and collectively celebrate the achievements of youth athletes 100%. Yeah. So very pleased that, that we um, we were a sponsor and fun weekend for all. CNFX, commiserations, uh, kind of home team for us here in Halifax, but uh, but maybe next time. And another fact for you here, Alec. Mm. So we're not we're not on 12 months of the podcast yet. We got another month I was wondering to that. go. Okay. But the the Oscars were last night. They were. And the the Oscars slap was the first thing that we discussed on the first podcast. So really? we really have come full circle now. Wow. So our first podcast was not too long after the It Oscars. was about three days after the Oscars in wow. 2022. And they, they made a lot of jokes about it last night. I watched the Oscars. They made a lot of jokes uh, about it. It's kind of it's still the elephant in the room, isn't it? They made a lot. Jimmy Kimmel did a good job, but he made a lot. It was the butt of every joke, the whole slap thing. I didn't watch it, but no. uh, I did watch the, the original slap, obviously, last year. Oh, yeah. So, so that was that. And it was three years ago today that apocalypse hit Nova Scotia, that everything pretty much shut down with the pandemic. Wow. Yeah, and Alec is actually counting on his fingers. It is three years. Can you believe that? We as a firm had been at uh, Wentworth skiing the day before, and we were all in a cottage. We were making jokes about, well, this is going to be kind of dystopian and post-apocalyptic, and then we drove back. We all got back to the city, and Bill McAvoy, our managing director, sent us an email saying, as of now, all Cushman and Wakefield offices are closed. Wow. I remember... It's like, it's like one of those things, where were you? Remember where you were when you found out things were shut down? Uh, it was funny. It's the like same thing. We were, hockey season was still going on. So lots of jokes were being thrown around about the coronavirus and about, oh, yeah, this, is, this isn't going to happen. This is ridiculous. Like we, we had a hockey game the night before, and then I went out for lunch with my friend that day at, at Freeman's. Oh, I'll never forget. Freeman's had, had uh, the meat lover's pizza or whatever. I'm getting too detailed. But we had a pizza and everything was normal. Had what some... temperature was it served at? Ooh, 425, I think. Um, no, but then we had some drinks and then I remember the next day it was boom, gone, done, everybody home. Now, I was not with Cushman and Wakefield at the time. I was at Nova Scotia Health. So I was definitely sent home um, for a little bit and then we were able to come back. But and that's in the, full circle. That's in the past. I'm no longer. Back in the studio. Um, back in the studio. That crane is still insane. You want to check it out? Insane as the crane. <laughs> Insane is the crane. Insane is the crane. Insane is the crane. Kinda insane like the crane. Insane is the crane. Insane is the crane. Now, lately I've found, I don't know about Eugene's, but we when we do our little research to try and find topics for this beforehand, sometimes it's hard to find one that happened in recent months. Um, other times there's too many to choose from. I yeah. Find. So I think this time we have a couple we're going to look at that you found one and I found yeah, one yeah, yeah, people yeah. might have heard of, but they're both definitely both worth talking about. Yeah. And this, the insane fact is pretty high this month, I think. So the first thing, you, you want some cash, Alec? I would love some cash. That is 600 grand sound. Oh, all I have to do, what, what do I do to get that? Or you got to call somebody called Tracy Kim Hardman, although she should be in jail, unfortunately. Oh. This is a crazy story. Um, she's from Williamswood, Tracy Kim Hardman. So she defrauded St. John's Anglican Church in Bedford, which was her employer of $600,000. So this took place over a period of six years between 2012 and 2018. So you might wonder, how did, how did she do that? Was she just, um, you know, stealing the collections tray every Sunday and pegging it out the door? She was not. So Harbin was responsible for the church's bookkeeping, 
cemetery management and other financial transactions. Mm. She was a sneaky so-and-so. When, when confronted after an audit, she did admit to stealing the checks from the church and depositing them into her personal bank accounts. Wow. But get this, Alec Cranston. She even <laughs> redirected the church's mail to her home really cover her tracks now she puts it on gambling addiction which we're not going to make jokes over because that is that is serious and it's not something i i know enough about to yeah. uh, claim to be an expert but it is looking pretty serious here for um for tracy kim hardman i'm only using three names so she is not confused with other Tracy Hartmans in the area of a similar likeness if there are any um but the crown is requesting a prison sentence of 3 to 4 years and a restitution order of 600 grand payable to CIBC 3 to 4 what did you say 3 to 4 Three to four years? Three to four years, to four yeah. Years. And then a restitution of uh, order for 602 grand, which will go to CIBC. 602. Because CIBC have already settled with, with the original church. Okay. Um, but the defense, they want something a little bit different. They want a conditional sentence of two years less a day served on house arrest. So anyway, it's, it's now March today, 13th. March 28th is the uh, scheduled decision from the judge. Mm. But isn't that crazy? 600 grand. Now, I feel incredible. Seriously, we, we make a lot of jokes on the podcast, but to be serious for a second, I feel very sorry for the church, for those who donated to it in good faith, pun aside, and the families that use that church for funeral services. When when I, you know, use a funeral service or donate to a church, we, we donate expecting the flow through to be to the community. Yeah. Um, not to Tracy Kim Harden. What do you think of this one, Alex? It is sad because <clears throat> you wouldn't, you know, as as the church, you wouldn't expect someone to be doing someone involved in your your organization to do something like that. So it's not even like something that would be on your radar. There are many companies that that is something on their radar, and they're constantly looking to make sure they're not getting you know skimmed off the top uh, by anybody in their organization. But if you're a church, you wouldn't you wouldn't think somebody would have the heart to do that. Um, now I don't know, you know, what was going on in her life that led her to think. This was the right thing to do, whether she was in major debt or had to pay for some massive bills. We don't know. I don't know. Gambling is what she says, but you know, gambling. everyone has a defense. Everyone has a defense. I'm not going to defend defend her for sure. And it is what it is, but that's very sad. I feel, I feel very bad for the church. And it's hard for me to say what I think she deserves, whether she deserves to go to, to jail or to have house arrest or to pay a massive fine. I think we'll just kind of let the, let the chips fall as they may and uh, see what happens. I'm, I'm interested yeah. to see what the final ruling is. You said end of March, they're going to make that decision? End of March. End so of we, March. we we'll should find out. Live podcast on site while they make the decision. We have just received news from the courtroom that Tracy uh, Hardman has gone down for probably three days knowing some countries' justice systems. But I think the, the difference for me here in this story is when you hear of major fraud, often it comes as the result of very out-of-the-blue lavish purchases. Where, where I grew up in the UK, we used to have a coroner um, who presided over the coroner's court, and he was a lawyer who was nailed for this. He went down for quite a few years. His salary was a few hundred thousand pounds, but he ended up taking a bunch of friends on a cruise and every night ordering a $50,000 bottle of wine. They're mm. like reserve wine that that they keep in, in these cruise ships. And then he started buying friends, 100,000-pound cars, and eventually the local law... It's a big car. Well, yeah. Heavy. It is, yeah. <laughs> British uh, sterling. Baroons. The um, local law society just started realizing actually through his Facebook, this guy's lifestyle does not match his income. So they launched an investigation, an audit on his law firm, and, and then it uh, came to light that, that he'd been defrauding the states that he'd been handling. So 
there is another local story that actually spins off this. So this was going back to last October. Um, Sherry Lynn Lamarche. So she was jailed for eight years for stealing almost $8 million from Bank Group. So that's the Halefs, the local developer and landlord. Um, Again, she was a bookkeeper. It always seems to be people that have access to the books. It, It makes sense. But she was different because she made a bunch of lavish purchases. So she was paying for multiple friends to have full home renovations and Mm. updates. And again, you know, people realize that doesn't, that the lifestyle doesn't match the income. But with, um, with what we're dealing with here, Tracy Kim Hardman, it appears this was a little different. It was, it was kind of, um, an audit that, that slowly uncovered the fraud. I was just going to say, did it say how they eventually caught her? Because she, I mean, 600,000 over six years, you could definitely buy a few things, but, not to the extent of millions of, of lavish items, but so it was an eventual audit that audit of the church that caught it. It, it seems to be, and then she was confronted and admitted to it. And oh, geez. All, the only other thing I, I I know on this is that when they handed the information to the court, they had a thousand pages of her bank statements and and activity. So I think it it almost reminds me of what's the movie? Is it Office Space where they start siphoning off tiny amounts of money? You know, you do these small amounts on mass, you think you can get away with it, but you know, it's not it's not the eighteen hundreds these days where there's handwritten bank ledgers. Everything is everything is logged. Yeah. Everything can be forensically audited. You gotta know if you're doing that you're gonna get caught eventually. And the redirecting the mail is the big one too. So you know if you um People of Halifax, if you didn't receive that birthday card last year that, that Aunt Betty sent you, uh, it's probably with Tracy Lynn Hardman. Yeah. She probably got your mail. She probably took it. Um, well, that's that one. Yeah. So let's, let's we'll let, let justice take its course, and I will yes. just tell you despicable behavior and absolutely awful. While we're on the topic of money, 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 money. Uh, yes, I'll take some. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, no problem. Under the table. Um, so this is something that I'm sure everyone's heard of. It was on Twitter, on everywhere. Um, Regarding Tim Hortons, a Nova Scotian rolled a $10,000 American Express prepaid card on Tim Hortons' roll up the rim. Scott Adams of Kempville, Nova Scotia, rolled up the winner, and Tim Hortons says it was a mistake. So the app, and so now roll up the rim, which that's another topic. I don't like how roll up the rim isn't actually on the rims anymore, where you can roll it up with your fingers, because if that was the case, we would not have this problem. Well, maybe, but then you'd have a physical thing. But you guys say something? No, I'm just making the obvious joke. What's it going to be? You about the guy uh, rolled up his rim and found a donut, went straight to the doctor. Wow. That's good. I'm sorry I didn't laugh. I, I, it is funny. I just, uh, you know, I, I, what problem was I stopped you and, and forced you to make the joke. That was the problem. It's okay. I'm sorry about that. Anyways, the technical error is what Tim Hortons is saying, um, because now you roll up the rim, you have to sh- show your, um, your app on your phone. They scan it. You buy whatever you get, your coffee, your, your sandwich, and it gives you rolls. You do it online. And, but right now what technically what Tim's is doing is you're entered every day. I know because I got the notification you're entered every day in a, in a draw to win $10,000. But this guy said, it said you won the $10,000 and here's your, here's your steps to retrieve it. Um, so Tim Horton said that, uh, the prize was displayed to Adams and it was a mistake and they instead will credit his account with a $50 gift card to Tim Horton's. He basically told them to take that $50 and shove it somewhere um, because it's ridiculous. It says he won the $10,000. He verified his email address with them, and he was told he'd be emailed the redemption instructions and a support person contact. After not receiving that email, he made multiple attempts to contact the guest services department as well as digital supports, and essentially he was he was ghosted. And I think that is that is quite 
quite sad. Sounds like something Tracy Kim Hardman would have cooked up. That's something she would have did. She would have hacked into the Tim Hortons app and made people. That's, she would have got, that got, got her. She would have got her her money, wouldn't she? That's where the money was going. The, the Tim Hortons mailroom would be like, where the heck's all the mail these days? And it's winding up in some apartment in Nova Scotia. But seriously, this is an awful story, and I think it's Tim's terrible. could easily flip this into a positive outcome and enjoy the publicity. But yeah. they can afford it. Yeah, so that's the thing I read on on Reddit that they were saying, oh, ten thousand dollars is nothing for Tim Hortons. But I guess this started happening to other people. Um, there was multiple people. I saw another name in the article. Uh, there was, was this a Canada-wide thing? Sarah Smith. That was somebody else. Sarah Smith and Scott Adams. Mr. Adams. Um, I don't know if it was Canada-wide. It was definitely a couple in Nova Scotia. There might have been some across Canada. You know, Some people said, oh, a couple, you know, tens of thousands, that's nothing. But once you start getting into a few hundred people, it starts to add up. Um, I think, my personal opinion, Tim should have owned the mistake and given these people their $10,000 for a mistake that they made, their error, it's, it's nobody else's error, that that's what it should be. $50 gift card is a slap on the wrist. I'd be so mad. I'd be fighting that until I got the $10,000 if they gave it to me. What's your opinion there, No, Jim, Jimbo? I side with you, Mr. Cranston. I think it's the good faith thing to do. Like, look at the way you and I work. You know, if we made yeah. a mistake and and we promised something, we'd probably pay for it out of our commission. We would own the error. Yeah. And I think we would try to make it right. Yeah. And what I see here is maybe not even the full $10,000. I just don't see an attempt to make it right. It, it's, it's, a, it's a talking of Oscars, the Oscars. It is a slap in the face. And Ooh. I don't know how the PR and the exec team at Tim Horton's could have come to the decision that they would offer $50 without knowing that these people would go to the media. Hello, it's 2023. Mm-hmm. And just look foolish. So I don't know. Yeah. Come on, Tim's, make it right. I did a bit of research here. The um, This is only data I got from 2020, but the uh, the CEO of Restaurant Brands, which owns Tim Hortons, was the highest paid CEO in Canada oh. with um, compensation package of over 27 million bucks. I'm oh, not wow. saying not. I'm not one of those people that says, "Oh, Jeff Bezos can pay and solves the can, can pay and solve the world's problems." I agree. Mm. I don't like the guy. I think he can, but um, it's not as easy as this person siphoning off this from their 27 million. What I'm saying is that the company clearly is uh, is in a position to pay. Yeah, I think so. I think. Big power move, McDonald's or not Duncan. Duncan is uh, Robin's Donuts coming out. And oh, just, Duncan wasn't available today. He said he was busy. Boom. Is that Mr. Donuts? Mr. Donuts. Mr. Duncan Donuts. Duncan Donuts. Okay. Um, that's United States, though. I'm thinking of Robin's Donuts. Um, they should just come out and just start handing out $10,000 checks to people to just put it in Wouldn't Tim's face. Wouldn't that be cool? Imagine. Good one. Just start throwing them around. Random contest for $10,000. Like You could roll it instantly. Maybe not a roll, but like a scratch off or something because they can't copy the roll. We were not even rolling these days, as you said. Oh, when I stupid. when I first came to Canada, I thought this was the hottest thing in the world. There was this period of about a month where everyone destroys their coffee cups in the hope I loved of a free it. donut. And and then I got into it, and and you know I fell into the fell into the uh, the marketing tactic of going to Tim Hortons three times as much as I should have in order yeah. to win eighty cent donuts. I'd always want to worked now. Now the difference with now is that now you want to be the guy that buys the coffee for everybody because it's on your app. So if you pay one bill for seven coffees for your office you get seven rolls on your app. So that's why I, with this now, now I like to be the guy that offers, oh no, I'll get the coffees. I'll grab yeah. them because then I get all the rolls. And I end up getting a donut or a coffee back because of it, never anything. Or a Skull Candy gift card, the most random prize. That yeah, the best is, is the $40 Skull Candy gift card ridiculous. when you can't buy anything on this site for less there, than two fifty. The be- biggest prize I won from a monetary perspective was like a $50 gift card to this online collage photography app uh, thing where you could load in your photos and it would create a... 
um, like a little montage, which your iPhone does that for free anyway without even asking. So I never use that gift card, and I never use my Skull Candy gift card that I've won. Usually, and they've all expired. They've all expired. I actually got a six-month subscription to like Canadian Quilting World last oh, year. Oh, uh, I did tell you, I I did not, I did not take it, take them up on the offer. Um, yeah, I, I was too worried I was going to get hooked and become a lifetime member, or, you know, lifetime subscriber. So I, <laughs> sorry, Canadian Quilting World, maybe, maybe this time. I, I think it. It was exciting years and years ago when you got coffee, donuts, gift cards, but it just seems now that they've turned it into this thing where you guarantee that Skull Candy and all these brands and the publishers for the magazines, you know, this is a paid promotion for them. Yeah. They're not just giving people their own products anymore. It's just pulling us into stuff like you win a six month membership to Runner's World, well, then they're hoping you're going to subscribe off the back of it so exactly right. i don't know screw roll up the rim yeah, so i'm in a bad mood as i said no, it's just, okay. everything day just like screw it no, screw, screw it. it don't it steal all. the money don't screw steal tim the horns money. tim horns pay the man pay the man it is what it is but uh like i said it makes me want to uh use the card use my phone and, and buy the buy the coffees now instead of um splitting the bill up but anyways yeah, so $10,000 not going to Mr. Scott Adams of Kentville, Nova Scotia. Sorry, Mr. Adams. Mr. Adams is not getting $10,000. I miss Mr. Adams. Me Different too. Mr. Adams. He Although was... when we come into the studio, I'm very pleased to know that he has been in here. I feel yeah. a little... The studio was always... Uh, and people who see our social media know we have one of the best views in Halifax yeah. from, from this, uh, this podcast Beautiful, studio. Absolutely. BNV Media. But I always liked it in here. But since Mr. Adams did that episode, I kind of... Just like this room a little bit Extra more. Extra bit of comfort in here, just knowing that his presence was once in this room. And he sat right next to you, right there. Left his Latin outside there in the lobby. <laughs> right, that yeah. was insane as the crane. So our guest this month is somebody that we've been very, very excited to have on the show. And uh, tell us more, Mr. Y- Cranston. Yes, we're very excited about our guest today, Mr. Sean Meister from, uh, from Volta down in the Maritime Center. He is, although he's with us under his other guise as LinkedIn's unofficial Nova Scotia guy. Yes. The biggest advocate for this province that I think has ever lived. Uh, Sean's an unbelievable guy, and uh, I remember meeting him just under a year ago, went and had a coffee, and he just, unbelievable conversation, loves talking about Nova Scotia. Looking forward to bringing him in here right now for a quick little chat, and I'm full of shit. He is actually not here today. We are doing this podcast on two separate days. I'm sorry to... uh, kind of break the multiverse there and then take away the shroud of uh, the drama and, and the theatrics. But he is not here today. Um, James has already conducted the interview with Sean uh, last Monday. Uh, an early morning interview I was not able to attend because, as James alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, I was uh, coaching youth sports. So I was at the, the provincial championships for Nova Scotia High School hockey. I coached the Citadel Phoenix. Quick shout-out to those boys. Um Things didn't go our way. We did lose the semifinal game that I missed the podcast on. Um, but unbelievable year with those guys. And they showed a lot of resilience and commitment throughout the year. And to finish top four in the province is um, definitely a feat to keep, keep your head held high. So very proud of them and what they accomplished this year. We won a few tournaments, uh, including the regional championships uh, for Halifax. So that was really good. And, and uh, we're going to be back next year. So excited about that. Uh, but anyways, that's why I wasn't here. So I will continue to introduce Mr. Sean Meister because he is technically coming on from an audio standpoint. Mr. Sean Meister. So we are thrilled to have in the studio with us now Sean Meister, who is famously known as LinkedIn's unofficial Nova Scotia guy. Sean is a proud Nova Scotian who's passionate about showcasing his home province to the world. 
He's also the Director of Strategic Partnerships over at Volta. As the founder of Global Blue Noses, a digital community for Nova Scotians living beyond the province's borders, Sean's built a platform for Nova Scotians to connect and share their experiences. Additionally, he's the founder of Some Good Media and Entertainment, where he organizes pop-up events and creates business tours for Nova Scotia-based businesses promoting the province's economy and culture. On LinkedIn, Sean shares daily posts that highlight Nova Scotia's landscapes, communities, people, and products. He truly has one of the province's most unique and impressive presences. Sean's dedication to his home province has made him a beloved figure on LinkedIn, and his passion for Nova Scotia truly is infectious. If you're looking to learn more about the province or simply looking for a dose of productivity, Sean is the person to follow. It really is an impressive, unique presence you have on LinkedIn that the first thing I want to know, and we'll, we'll dig into your, your past a little bit as well, but you have tasked yourself with being a tireless advocate for Nova Scotia. What motivates you to take on this truly mammoth task? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's great You're to, very welcome. Great to be here. And um, I always am amazed at how I sound when someone's reading a, a bio about me. So that's great. You sound pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who that guy is, but that's, uh, it sounds great. Um, I mean, it, I always say it's, it's pretty easy to be motivated to do this. I mean, I'm a communicator by trade, like, you know, writing and sharing pictures and stuff like that is kind of just what I like to do. But, um, I mean, I get to live here and I get to look around every day. I mean, it's the motivation to, to want to share it is, is just you wake up and I look out my window and I'm like, somebody else should see this. So it's it's one of those things I don't ever really think about what motivates me. It's just just naturally happens when I wake up and walk out the door in the morning that I've got to I've got to do something to to share what what the province is about. Absolutely and and it works, I'll tell you that. Can can you sum your LinkedIn presence up for us? Like what what is it? Like I I have we all have a different relationship with the platform. For me, it's business development to be honest. Uh what sum up yours? Mine, I, I guess the the easiest way to sum up mine would be um, sort of unfiltered positivity. <laughs> we need more of that. It's one of those things that um, it's just me being me um, and wanting to. I, I mean, I have an unhealthy addiction to LinkedIn. I I always have, and when things sort of clicked with starting to share things around Nova Scotia really early in the pandemic, um, it just everything sort of came together in the sense of. I realized there were a lot of people around the world that wanted to see about Nova Scotia. There were a lot of Nova Scotians around the world that wanted to see home every day mm -hmm. when they opened up their LinkedIn. And that was, that was really the, the thing that kicked it off for me. And um, so, yeah, so, I mean, when you come on, if you're, if you're following me, you're going to see a lot, a lot of nature pictures, a lot of uh, selfies of me that, you know, I normally wouldn't share, uh, but it's just, you know, me being super happy in my surroundings um, and, and then just sharing stories of the people I get to meet. I mean, the, I'm just constantly impressed by the people that make Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia. So, you know, if you, you like sunsets, if you like, uh, you know, recommendations for where to eat, but if you also like to meet people that are making a difference, that's what I try to make my, my LinkedIn all about. I think the grassroots feel is really what makes everything stand out. So so when I look at your LinkedIn, I'm used to seeing you literally waking up in the morning and snapping a photo outside your front door or, or taking a selfie downtown. And is that part of it? You want to leave the flashy stuff to Tourism Nova Scotia and instead take us on a personal journey with you. Is, is that kind of what you're trying to do? 
yeah, it's for me, I, I want to give people the opportunity to sort of live vicariously through me. So, um, I, I don't have the time or, or motivation to make a bunch of really fancy stuff. It's just, it, it's, it's weird. I walk through my day and it's just something, I see something and I'm like, that is something that people should see because I'm looking at it and saying, this is amazing. Uh, and I'm so happy that I get to see this, right. That I get to meet this person or I get to do this thing. So yeah, I'm going to share it. And it's just, this is what it is. This is life. This is, this is the life that I have. And this is the life that somebody else could have or, or that, you know, if somebody is from here and, and following me, they get to look at that and say, Oh yeah. Public gardens forgot when was the last time I was in public gardens, but they get to see a picture and feel great about it. So yeah, no, we've got amazing people in the province that can produce really high end stuff for the, for promoting the province. For me, it's just about giving, yeah, like I say, let people live vicariously through me, see what just a normal life is like in Nova Scotia. And it's different, and it definitely works. I think even when companies with their content calendars and everything else, like they try to look natural, but it always kind of shows that this was, you know, that particular post was maybe planned months ago or they've they've created content in, in batches. Your LinkedIn literally is in the moment. And, and we can look at that and say, look, this is a guy who, who just goes about his day and goes about his life and picks things to share as and when they happen. You know, I, I know you, you probably have ideas in your head for stuff you'd like to do this summer, but I, you're probably not sat there now um, planning, you know, on the, on the 31st of June to be on Lawrencetown Beach with a, with a professional photographer, right? I think that's really what makes your presence so magical. Yeah, I go against what everyone says you should do. And my training was in public relations. And so my, my training was to plan and strategize. And then what I do with this is everything the opposite. It's interesting when you kind of start to follow the, the reactions to your posts. Some of my least liked, like the ones that the, that, that the people that follow me or the people that I'm connected with, the ones that they're telling me they don't like are the ones that I've thought too much about. So if I, if I sit and I strategize, I'm like, oh, yeah, next week, maybe I should do this. And then I do that. And then nobody, it just doesn't, just doesn't sort of jive with people. Whereas the ones where I'm just walking through my day and I see something, and I'm like, ah, here it is. And then I write just what I'm feeling. And I, all I do is quickly scan it over to make sure I didn't make a huge spelling mistake. Um, those, those hit. And, and people like those. And it's funny that they feel better for me to make. So yeah, it's, I, I think, you know, it's, it's a small following I've got. It's a little thing I get to do and I'm, I enjoy it, but I wouldn't have any of this if I actually overthought it. it it's just about being sort of authentic and, mm -hmm. and in the moment. And there's not much of that still out there the, these days. Now, I want to get to a new project of yours. You've been teasing us all about this for months and everyone's been wondering what it was. But I just want to dig back a little bit first. Um, a lot of people would be, you know, we don't um, want to dig into, into the, the deep uh, life story of Sean Meister, but definitely, you know, you're a local guy, born... I, I'm not even going to ask you questions. Just tell us. I understand you, you know, you've left the province, you've come back. Give us, a, give us the synopsis. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I grew up in, in Nova Scotia since the, the age of three. I grew up on our family farm out in New Ross. And, um, yeah, I just lived my life out there as a, as a small-town kid uh, and went off to Acadia, did, did my degree there, and... You know, I graduated into a time right before the 2008 recession. There wasn't a lot of opportunity, and I was I was really in the heart of that leave generation. Like pretty much everyone I knew that graduated, unless they were going to certain things, they went out west or went. And so that's what I did. I, I went out west, and um, 
once I got got out to Ontario and then to Alberta and then back to Ontario, I just spent ten years out there, sort of building my career. Not really. I mean, it just it just didn't. Nothing was clicking. You know, it was it was. I really enjoyed it and really loved it. But the entire time I was out there, I was thinking about home. I always describe I was you know I was away for ten years. And I spent five of those trying to get back, right. and it was just this obsession for me that. Um, I hadn't really seen myself as a Nova Scotian when I was living here growing up. I was just a guy living in Neuros. And then I left, and suddenly everything about being a Nova Scotian enveloped me. And um, it just became everything I thought about. And so as I started to meet more and more people like me out in the world, I was like, I got I to gotta come home. And, and so I started to put my sights on that. But the thing I promised myself was if I came home, I was going to do something. And I was going to do something for home, whether it's small or big. But I had to feel like I was giving something back because those 10 years, I kept reaching out, asking, what can I do to help? And there were groups of people, you know, there were some programs and things that, that came up that targeted us as, as expats. That was awesome. But I just, it was a, this constant thirst for more. So, um, you know, the five years that I've been back, came back in 2017 have been entirely focused on, on doing that. So I came back and worked in economic development for the province, did that for, for close to five years, which was an amazing opportunity to really see behind the scenes on how we sell our province to the, to the business community internationally and how we support companies here. Um, you know, got to travel and tell people of Nova Scotia, which was amazing. And then I made the jump to Volta just almost exactly a year ago. Um, and, uh, and then sort of my side projects have been digging in on some of the things I loved most about the, that first job I came back to in terms of selling the provinces. It's sort of leaning into the, the two sides, my day-to-day life and then my side projects that I love. I think the fact you've been away, it makes your, your love for the province even more authentic because you have experienced life on the other side of the fence. I, so I, I, I know people know I'm from Wales. I'm not from here. I'm, I class myself, I'm a citizen. I'm a proud Nova Scotian adoptee and, and transplant now. But I was never patriotic growing up. And I was just back in the UK last week and we went to a, a Wales-England rugby game and my mother said, wow, you, you, you're just a Welsh, walking Welsh flag. And I said that to her, and the same as you, when I grew up, it was home. It's everything I knew. It's all I knew. I actually had to leave and pine for where I, where I left to make me patriotic. And yeah. it, it does change you, doesn't it? You know, and, and traveling around the world... Like I came to Nova Scotia from elsewhere, but we're well aware that plenty of Nova Scotians leave. And this leads us to your big project. So for background, uh, anybody who follows Sean, he's been kind of teasing a project online for quite a few months. And I know there's probably a few guesses as, as to what it was, but he has now announced Global Blue Noses. And I, when uh, we shook hands, when Sean came in, I deliberately said, look, I'm not going to ask you anything about it. I want you to tell me on air so I have a natural reaction. So over to you. Tell us what it is and, and why and give it a big old plug. Yeah, so Global Blue Nosers is uh, it's starting as a as a community on LinkedIn, and it's meant entirely for our what I call our second population, our our community of Nova Scotia or you know Nova Scotians or Nova Scotian affiliated people around the world that that have a love. So you know, expats, alumni from our universities, um, people that are seasonal residents or have you know like a grandparent that was from Nova Scotia, sort of that heritage diaspora or whatever. It's, it's a space for them to come together. Um, and it really come, it came about because of, you know, work I had been doing, but also just that feeling I had when I was an expat. Like, the best feeling in the world was meeting someone else from Nova Scotia or someone that went to Dal or went to Acadia. Like, there was just something about that feeling that I couldn't replicate. 
And so for me, I wanted to create a space that was for everybody. So we, we've got spots for alumni and things like that, but I wanted to create a space that if, if you're a blue noser or you identify as a blue noser and you're out in the world and you want to come together and meet other people, that's what I'm trying to create is a space for us to come together, meet each other, but then to start to collaborate on, okay, what as a community can we do to unlock the power and the potential of having a community that size out in the world? Um, because I think that's something that people often forget. Like I grew up at a time when people moving away were seen as that was brain drain. It was you were losing people. Everyone was going out into the world and you were losing them. And I view it very much that in some cases, the best place for someone to be is not in Nova Scotia, that they have way, okay. they have way more opportunity to give us a global impact being where they're at. Because, you know, I saw it firsthand if, if I was traveling to, to London uh, for work and I messaged someone who was a blue noser in London, I was like, hey, I'm coming, coming to town. They'd be like, all right. They opened up their contact list and they would connect me with people that, you know, I would not find otherwise. Like they're a strategic asset to be out in the world, to potentially be advocates for the province, to be able to deliver the message about the province to their communities, their connections but also people that can help us navigate from a cultural business perspective how to have a larger impact for Nova Scotia out in the world. So that's really what Global Blue Nosers is all about, is to first bring the community together, and then as the community, so not have someone tell us, but as a community decide, okay, what, what do we want to do? What can we do? And then start to create those, those opportunities. So that's what, it's, that's what it is. You know, right now it's small. It's it's just a it's a group on LinkedIn, but it's I've got big dreams for what it could potentially become. And people will draw parallels and links with each other as well, even if they're over other sides of the world. I, I hang around in a small community of Welsh people here in the city, and and uh, we got together a couple of months ago, and two of them had realized they know each other for a few years here. Two of them had realized a couple of months before their grandmothers, who must be in their nineties back in Wales, play bingo together. And they weren't even from the same town, but their grandparents lived in. So somebody, um, uh, one of their mothers called them one day and said, do you know so-and-so? He said, well, he's a good friend of mine. She said, well, we, my mum, your grandmother, plays, plays bingo with his grandmother. And you start realizing that, okay, we're all originally linked through culture and geography. We all spread out all over the world. But the family still remains. Yep. And the connections can get can get tighter than ever. So, do you'll have more insight um, than I will in in this? Do you know where the largest concentrations of blue noses around the world would be? And equally, do you know of anybody in in, in a crazy place in in a in a really obscure place? Um, we have a friend we grew up with who who lives in Guantanamo Bay, married somebody in in the U.S. military, and and that's always you know. Is there any examples of this with uh, with Nova Scotians? And, and where do people typically go? Yeah, so it, and it's interesting. So uh, first of all, I'll say that Wales is incredibly good at the diaspora engagement. There, that's a, a place I look to as a bit of a model for what I'm hoping to do sometimes. So an organization called Global Welsh, um, and it's it's interesting. You know, we can chat about this maybe, but I I, I find it funny t talking about that because you think about it. If you had somebody from Wales reach out to you and say, "Hey, I'm coming to Halifax, and can you help me get connected?" my guess is that you're going to be pretty enthusiastic to help them out. And that's, oh, yeah. and that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's the potential in that. Um, the trust would be established. Tr so, you know, I, wouldn't, I, don't go, I wouldn't go home and trust anyone I walk by on the street, but, but if they reached out to me, yeah, the trust would be there. Interesting, isn't it? 
the trust component is massive, honestly, that the, the fact that you can start that relationship, say in a business relationship, with an established level of trust that could take quite a long time to establish if it was just a cold call, I mean, that's, you, you can't measure the impact of that to be able to just start from a point of trust. Um, so, you know, that kind of goes back to that motivation. But, you know, in terms of some of the concentrations, you know, it's, it's hard to research, but I've seen it come through. So probably our biggest community is in, is in Toronto. Um, and especially because I, I very much define the Nova Scotia, the like global blue nosers in the diaspora as that broader group, not just born and raised, but people that came to one of our many universities or the heritage diaspora or whatever. Um, so Toronto would be huge. London in the UK is massive. That's really okay. Oh, there's wow. a there's a really big group. That would be one of our largest. Um, obviously at West in Calgary and places like that, there's there's quite a few. Um, historically there was a pretty large contingent in Boston still is, uh, New York. Um, there's quite a large group in Singapore. Um, and then when you start to spread out, you find other smaller clusters like Amsterdam. Uh, so there's, there's a pretty good group there. One of the, the, I wouldn't know if, I wouldn't say that it's, you know, out there, but the one that surprised me the most was, was actually finding a cluster in Malaysia. Okay. Not what I expected, but it was it all circled back to sort of a recruitment campaign, especially by Acadia back in the '90s, for people to come and go to school at Acadia. Uh, so there's this this pretty significant cluster in Malaysia uh, that are connected to to Nova Scotia. So so surprisingly, you know, an open door into that market just because of that recruitment effort back in the '90s by Acadia. So I find I found that one really interesting. Um, but yeah, so no, those would be, you know, Toronto, London, uh, Boston, New York, Singapore would be some of the, the bigger ones that, that I've seen. So there really is, we, we seep into all parts of the world. And I think that in itself proves the, the global opportunity of, of global blue noses. And how, how are you going to, how, how are you recruiting? Obviously, these people are, are everywhere. Um, you, I'm sure, want current members to recruit, but it must be a huge task for you. It is, and it, but it's one of those things that I want it to be natural. Like, I, I, I don't want it to come across as, like, uh, you know, I'm trying to force a, a bunch of people into this thing. I, I'm, I started with just my own network. So, I mean, over the years, I've developed a pretty significant, you know, network on LinkedIn of people living abroad that are connected to Nova Scotia. So, you know, it started with invites to them and then sort of a call to the community as they first joined. So we've only, you know, as we're recording this, it's not even a week that Global Blue Nosers has been active. So we're at uh, about 125 people, which is nice. Nice little start. From, um, a, from a fairly cold start, right? It was zero. Wow, that's to, impressive. To, to yeah. 125. So that's really good. Uh, and so then I just, I made a call out to them. It's like, you're, you're all able to invite people to this group. If you know someone passionate about Nova Scotia, make the invite. And um, you I... haven't even got to incentivize that. No. The passion is, is it, the incentive, right? It, exactly, because... Again, the, the whole point of this group isn't to, to sell to them. It isn't. To, it's literally just to bring them together. Like I, I watched a, a string of communication over the weekend of two people that didn't know each other just start going back and forth in the comments because I asked them, you know, introduce yourself after you join, say who you are, how you're connected. And so somebody did that and then a gentleman popped on and they just went back and forth over like six messages and they found all these connections um, just between themselves that they didn't realize. Um, that's what it's all about is for, for people to have that feeling of like, oh my goodness, now I know this person. I see we have trust because we, there's all these, these connections. So it's an easy, it's an easy sell because the, the point is just for them to, to come together and, and meet each other, but then tap into the thing that 
it really identi they identify as, which is they're passionate Nova Scotians. You know, what, what can we do as a group to, to help this place? Probably a lot more than we think. Yeah. We, we learn it when we come together, right? And, you know, what is, an, what is a Nova Scotian? I know that's an odd question, but when people, like, I have moved over here, my British accent slipped a little bit, I've got lots of Canadian cultural idiosyncrasies I didn't have. Every time I go home, I'm the butt of lots of jokes about it. But I still retain the fact I'm a Welshman. Yep. So when you meet and connect with Nova Scotians who, say, have lived around the world for, for a significant portion of their life, they still would bear hallmarks of, of being a blue noser. What, what is a Nova Scotian to you? Like how, how would you, if you were in London um, and you maybe heard the accent, qualify that person to be amazing? Because everyone from Nova Scotia is amazing. I mean, the, the accent's always a giveaway if you're, if you're born and raised. Um, it's, for me, the, there's quite a few different qualities I, I come across that, that are really... No, and it's not just Nova Scotian. These are qualities you see across. But you know, very, very open, very friendly, um, very sociable. Um, you know, th those are all sort of the hallmarks. Um, but you know, some of the big things I see quite an intense level of humility. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I got the chance to work with quite a few sort of people at the top of their game in their industries that are Nova Scotians, and you know, you talk to them and they say, "Well, yeah, yeah, I've done some stuff." I'm like, "No, like what you've done is amazing." But it's this like deep, deep seated humility, um, a desire to help, a desire to give back. That's really critical. Like that, I find that's across the board. People that are Nova Scotian or Nova Scotian by choice. Those are those are hallmarks. Um, but yeah, like th those would be some of the biggest things aside from hearing an accent. Um, mm -hmm. The the folks that want to stay, the folks that are connected to Nova Scotia want to stay connected to Nova Scotia have some of those key qualities. But it's all wrapped up in in a passion for the place that they can't describe. And so I, I always liked that question of like, you know, why do you love Nova Scotia? And I remember people asking me that when I was away and I'm like, I could say all kinds of things. It's like, it's beautiful and it's friendly, but it's like, there's this feeling that you can't describe that just makes you, no matter how long you're away, feel Nova Scotian, whether you were born here or not. If you're a Nova Scotian by choice, you can feel the same thing. It's this indescribable sense of identity and a draw to be always Nova Scotian and, but nobody can really put it into words. And I find that really is when I'm in a conversation with someone and they say that they're like, yeah, I, I love it. I just couldn't, I can't really describe what it is. I love so much about it. It just, it just, it's just everything about who I am. I like that. Um, kind of go there, maybe go there and find out. Yeah. Is, is the, the only thing you can say to someone is, is come and discover it for yourself. Exactly. It's a, you know? uh, you know, it's it's easy to post pictures every day of the landscape. It's easy to to talk about things, but there's a a sense of when you show up in a random little community on the South Shore, or up in Cape Breton, and you're there for a couple hours and sitting in a in a coffee shop and get into a conversation. That's when you're just like, oh, this place is different. There's mm. some, there's something about this that makes me feel at home. Uh, and they might only be here for a few days, but they'll walk away and. I've talked to people that have been connected to the province now for 20 years because they were here for a week. And they're like, I just can't shake it. It just still... I always want to come back. I get this when I travel back home. I was, got some friends of my parents who uh, went to Lunenburg. Mm -hmm. And they remind me every time. I've met them 20 times. First thing they do is, remember we told you we went to, we went to Lunenburg once? Like, <laughs> and we've got, we, 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 we've got to get back over there. And, you know, what you're doing is 
it's too pronged. You're, you're reaching out to the people that live here and, and the people that have lived here and left. Mm-hmm. Going back to the former, one thing I wanted to ask you was about re-engaging with the province. COVID for my wife and I was a landmark period in which we fell back in love with what we had on our doorstep. Admittedly, we got most of our fun from going on vacation and traveling. And I suppose Nova Scotia was a little bit of an afterthought. Mm -hmm. We would do things here if we couldn't get away. We completely re-engaged with the landscape, the people, the the culture downtown, the culture out in the, on, on, on the coastal paths. And now we talk all the time about, well, rather than take the weekend in Toronto, we're going to go and rent an Airbnb in the middle of nowhere and, and go hiking. Like, is this something you saw during the pandemic that many of us, when we couldn't travel, not through force, but reignited that passion we have for what's on our doorstep? Can you can you speak to that at all? I mean, I saw that all the time. And, and to be quite honest, the whole reason I'm doing what I'm doing on LinkedIn is because of that same thing. Um, you know, I I had a few, like, failed starts on LinkedIn over my life in terms of like, you know, what was going to be my identity. And this version really came about because I just woke up one day very early in the pandemic and everything around me was negative. It was just like, oh my goodness, the world's falling apart. What is happening? And it was a beautiful sunrise and above the farm across from my house. I just remember looking at it and be like, I don't think I've ever actually stopped and looked at that in the two and a half years I've been living in this house. I just wake up, I get in the car, I drive to Halifax, go home, get the kid in bed, and crash on the couch. Mm-hmm. I'd never taken the time to just stand and look at what I'd come home to, even though I was so eager to get home. And I took a picture of that sunrise, and I posted it. And it was the most engaged I ever got on a post. I was like, that's weird. And then people started to reach out to me as we were all locked down. They're like, yeah, no, I went here, or I went there. And it's like, I've never been there. And that was the thing that I really found that during the pandemic and you know, we're not out of the pandemic, but as we've kind of come back to some sense of normal, I hear that a lot from people is like, they, the amount of people that say, I went someplace I've never been in the province before is so much more than I ever heard before that happened, is people did fall back in love with it. And I get messages all the time from people living here um, that they fell back in love with not just the province, but the things that are happening here. Same as like the buy local thing. Right. The, the number of people that now, you know, really go out of their way to say, you know, I'm going to have that thing that says made in Nova Scotia in my house. I feel like that took off really heavily during the pandemic. And it sort of all linked up. It was just this, as we just had to look around at where we lived, we started to fall back in love with it. And I really, yeah, I mean, I see those messages all the time from people. So it's, I don't think it's just a, a, it's certainly not just you, not just me. It's across the board. I haven't talked to many people that haven't had a similar experience. And why shouldn't we fall back in love with it? I know people in Europe, and one person in particular, she saved her whole life, her whole working life to come to Nova Scotia. Unfortunately, she, she died before she could make it. And I sat back during the pandemic and realized on, on my doorstep, literally, literally on my doorstep, is a place that people spend their entire lives working to get to, and some of them don't even make it. Yeah. We, we owe it to ourselves to go out there and explore what we have, and, and we worked pretty hard on doing that during the pandemic, and, and I am more engaged. Aside, actually, I think from our economy being strong here in a growing city, culturally we're great as well. You know, um, 
objectively and subjectively, Nova Scotia is a great place, but I'm, I'm so pleased with how we've all worked to re-engage and uh, it just makes us bigger, bigger advocates for, for where we live. So before I come to the last question, how can our audience help you with Global Blue Noses? So, you know, tell us where it can be found. You said LinkedIn. Um, what are you looking for? What can folks do? What can they share? Yes, I mean, the the group is right on. It's an open group on LinkedIn. So, I mean, I, I approve everyone that comes in. But so you can just go on and, and search Global Blue Noses and it comes up as a group. I'd say, you know, one big way to help would be, you know, if you pretty much all of us know somebody who's living away that has a connection to here, you know, flip them a link to it and say, hey, just heard about this community, thought you might want to join and and stay connected to the province. That's obviously a big help because the, the more people in it, the more more of an impact it can have. And then also for people to, you know, to really help me think about and, you know, whether it's one-on-one or through messages or whatever, you know, think about this community. If you're in this, if you're in Nova Scotia, live in your life, think about the fact that we've got this community of, it's, you know, the research isn't solid, but at least a few hundred thousand people at least out there that are second population for Nova Scotia. What could they do for you? And what can you do for them? Because it's a two-way street. You know, what, what potential impact do you see that community being? If they were completely active, like if you could just send a message to them tomorrow and you get 20 people come back and want to help you on an issue, you know, what are some of the things that they could help you with and make you be more successful in your life and your business or whatever you're doing? And then also, what can you do to reach out to that community to deepen their connection to home? Because that's the one thing I will say from being an expat you're living two lives. You're living the life in a new home. You're trying to create connection in the new place. You know, it doesn't feel like home, but you need to try to make it feel like home. And you're trying to stay connected. That's difficult. So the more that you hear from people from home, the more that people connect with you on LinkedIn or send a note and say, hey, you know, just wanted to connect and keep you connected to the province or let me know if there's anything I can do or, you know, grab coffee with those people in their home. That's a critical piece of, of what I'm trying to do is that we as a province see that community as under the tent, that they're still Nova right. Scotians, that they're not away, and they don't have to come home. Like, I think that's one of my biggest issues right now is that too much of the narrative is around how do we get them home because it still is that view of, like, we lost them. We didn't lose them. You changed my my mind and opinion on that perspective, even in the last fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah definitely. It, I, I, you, you push the strengths of having people not at home. Yeah, it's they're they're obviously a proportion of them are always going to come home. That's just the nature of a diaspora. Some stay where they're at in their second home. Some of them come home. It just naturally will happen, and it's great to create opportunities and easy avenues for them to do that if they want. But you can't leave them disengaged and then suddenly pop up and ask them for something because it's all about respect back and forth is keep them engaged, keep them feeling Nova Scotian. Like that's the thing is I was away. I didn't stop being a Nova Scotian. I just happened to be a Nova Scotian in Calgary. So, but when I'd come home, if I heard people kind of talked about me as being from away, I was like, Oh my goodness, people don't see me as Nova Scotian. Um, so that the language we use, the way we engage with folks that are living away is, is actually a really critical part of building that community and of, of activating that community to have the most impact on us and our day-to-day lives. Um, but definitely, that's, that's probably the best way that people can, can help me is obviously, yeah, direct people there if you want to. It's, it's, that would be awesome. 
but more than anything, you know, think about how you talk about people from away. Think about how you talk about, you know, people in your own family that have been away for 15, 20 years and say, you know, what could I do today just to make them feel like they're at home? Maybe I'll send them a picture. Maybe I'll invite them to come home for a trip or whatever. Just think about what you can do to keep them engaged. That's the best thing that someone can do to help with what I'm trying to do. You've given us all plenty to think about, some challenges. I'm really excited for what you're doing here. Everyone should head to Global Blue Noses on LinkedIn and Sean Meister as well. you got to follow this guy. It, it, it's truly great stuff. And the, the final question here, you can take as long as you need to think about this. Nova Scotia doesn't exist. What's the best place on the planet? Why would you do this to me? It's really I, tough. Nova Scotia doesn't exist. Where's the best place? Oh, my goodness. Um, you can give us a region. I'm, you don't have to give us a city. It's tough, isn't it? You know, I, I can't even answer this one very well. I'm putting you on the spot it, here. It, it is really tough, but I, I'm going to do, do a cop-out answer a little bit. Um, it, it's, and I found the last time I was in Scotland, I felt like I was at home. So if Nova Scotia doesn't exist that place felt a lot like home, so I'll say there. Oh, any answer is valid. Yeah. Good, good Celtic blood over there. I like it. Yeah. Sean, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. Everybody, uh, do head out to LinkedIn and follow Sean Meister and uh, look up Global Blue Noses. We all have a part to play in this, this project, and we all need to support what Sean is doing, because I believe it's for the, the greater good of everyone. And uh, pleasure having you on. Thanks so much. This has been a great conversation. Thanks so much. Really appreciate being here. Wow, that was great. What a, what a great interview, James. You did a great job. I did, didn't I? Did terrific. Not job. as good as Sean. <laughs> not as good as Sean. Sean is No, this is a joke, by the way, because Alec has not heard the interview yet. <laughs> he, he, Alec never congratulates me with sincerity. But no, we had a really good sit down. And um, as I say, you're now back to a week later because yeah. we have split the recording of this podcast up because yeah. Alec, and, and, and just while we're at it, congrats for you and, and your dedication to, you. to youth sports. I know that it's something you're very passionate about and you did take your team very far this year so seriously i'm sure there's lots of kids out there who will um who have a lot you know crap ton of respect for you and you will make a very positive influence Thank you. I on, on their i lives. appreciate that while we're on shout outs can we give a quick shout out to mr brendan fraser for winning best actor at the oscars last night congratulations brendan pew, pew, pew. we'll put the sirens and i will tell you something i did not know he won until you've said it really I not read the news this i morning. had to say that he's the he's the goat um george george george, george of the, the jungle, jungle. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm very. You should have seen his reaction. Anyway, I just want to get that in there. That made my night last night. I actually read his the, about his life, and he's had, he's had a very kind of sad, troubled life. Yeah. And Hollywood was not kind to him. No. You know, he was kind of a when he first started, he was a heartthrob, and he was a great actor, and he was in he was George of the Jungle movies, and and after that, he kind of went down, and he never did anything wrong. Never did anything cancelable. We'll say he was a, the the best of the best. He was the victim of some supposed uh, sexual abuse. Yes. So. And and then you know Hollywood kind of chewed him up and spit him out, and never really had a shot. And then he kind of came back into his own. Got this role with the movie called The Whale, which I, regrettably I haven't seen yet. But to win Best Actor against some pretty big names last night, and he was he's very well deserving, and it was really good to see. I think. It's great to see these comebacks, even in yeah. people's slightly later life. You know, I'll, I'll admit, I saw him come back on the scene with a whale, and I thought, crap, he exists. I kind of forgot. You know, he's one of those people, like his story sort of ends in the late 90s, and you don't really hear about him for, for 25 yeah. years until now. But uh, what a great guy, and, and I think it's wonderful. And what I like about the whale, I haven't seen it, but from what I hear is they, they've won all these awards, and it's not even a real sensationalist movie. You yeah. know, it's not an action hero movie with with a, a, a $150 million budget and yeah. a bunch of green screens. Like, it's a pretty 
wholesome honest movie so good, good on him and uh, he's our guest next month on the show no, hey brendan fraser well you know what fun fact i heard last night there's a chance to maybe get him on i don't know a friend of mine nathan shout out nate uh hey nate hey nate he's, don't know who you are hey uh, nate he's a good fella he sent me a clip that Brendan Fraser on the podcast, and his father, I think it's his father, is from Halifax, Nova Scotia. You're kidding. He's about a the rock. You know that Dwayne, uh, Dwayne yeah, the Rock Johnson's too. father is from, I believe, Africville. Or so something. this is our way of announcing that Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Brendan Fraser will both be on the podcast They're next gonna month. They're going to beat the shit into us. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, anyways, yeah, I just want to get that out there. Congrats, Brendan Fraser. You're never going to hear this, but congratulations if you do. Really he- cool to hear your dad's from Halifax, Nova Scotia. If you ever want to come back and visit your family's roots, you're more than welcome on the Matter of Facts podcast. Yeah, well, the other person whose father is uh, from Halifax, Nova Scotia, is Alec Cranston. Yes, yes, he is. Todd Todd Cranston, Todd the legend. Cranston. Well, there you go. You nailed it. Yeah, Todd Cranston, the legend. I think one day we will have him and uh, on the podcast, which would be great. And if your father comes to town, that'd be... Incredible. We should actually, you and I should should not do a show and just let our fathers do one. And not no prep, Tell nothing. Tell them we're meeting and everything, and you and I just don't show we, up. Then we just like, do a podcast. Yeah, it would be the most awkward thing ever. Now, in terms of New Kids on the Block, this was, you know, Alec and I are going to keep evolving some of our segments here. I'm sure we're going to flush stuff out and bring new things in. We haven't done New Kids for a while. Yeah. Uh, you want to do it this month? I think we had a discussion yeah, last night, I think didn't it's, we? I think it's worth talking about. I mean, again, I think the reason we don't, we don't really do it as much is because we want to highlight new businesses in Nova Scotia that are local. So, yes, chains have opened up and franchises. There's a new Best Buy in. Yeah, yeah exactly, right? Like those kind of things. New pet value down the road. Those are, it's great. It's great for the community, but it's not exactly what we're going for in terms of highlighting local businesses. Now, there is a business we can highlight uh, from an unfortunate perspective. Hang on one sec. Play the jingle. Step by step, really good, eh? Yeah, uh, yeah. No, not, not bad. So, in this month's episode, it's more not not new kids on the block, but it's more so no kids on the block. Sounds like Mike, something Michael Scott would say. Uh, what are we highlighting this month, James, for the no kids on the well, block? Well, we're going to highlight the closure of Stakenstein, which was a yeah. bit of a local you know, Reddit and everything went crazy over this one because the the dude uh, sent letters to the staff and there was some inconsistencies over what he could pay them in terms of vacation severance. Yeah. And I agree, people have worked for him for, for decades and um, they just get this letter. Irrespective of that, he had every right to close his restaurant. He was selling yeah. an amazing piece of real estate, which he has now turned around and put on the market for what, like 6 million bucks? 6.5 million. Yeah, wow. So, so this is the Stakenstein location on Portland Street, kind of the corner of Portland Baker Drive, uh, next to the Steel, Chevrolet, GMC, Buick, Cadillac, Ford, Mini, Chrysler, Cranston. Hey, whatever they I, those commercials, I can never keep track of no, which no. brand you need to go to uh, for which location. So, yeah, there is one kid leaving the block and a new kid coming on the block. I'd imagine it's uh, an ugly set of apartments, but mm. we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens. I saw a lot of different opinions on on why they closed down and there was uh, i won't say who it is i don't want to roast them but there was a there was a podcast that uh, talks about pretty much everything in nova scotia similar to us but they kind of we can either keep this part in or not but they tackle topics without doing research on them it's like a little clip on tiktok and was talking about why steak and sign closed and what they said was they're like oh yeah they closed because their landlord jacked their rent up from 40 grand a month to 60 grand a month 60 grand a month on 8,000 square feet. Do that math. Okay. 
uh, per square foot we're looking at. A square foot. Eighty-eight dollars a square foot. Actually, eighty-nine, eighty-eight, eighty-eight, uh, eighty-eight, eighty-eight, 80, all eights. Wow. 80, yeah. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Not true. Not true. Not true. Not true. Not true. Not true. And it was funny. The comments were like, people were like, no, that's not possible. And then the the makers of the video would say, well, then you don't understand commercial real estate. And they'd say, commercial real estate's a different beast. It's crazy out there. That's what they kept saying. Well, uh, do you know? Uh, do you know about the Spring Garden? You know that old house on Spring Garden Road? It's in between the Tims. I saw that and read it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It says retail for rent. But do you know what people think that sign is? What? So people think that you and I, the local commercial brokerage community, pay her to put the sign up so <laughs> that when you call, she advertises a, a, a triple, like three times market rent. So you and I have a comparable we can use to inflate our own listings. Ooh. This is how little people know oh about our world. And how quick they are to say that anyone in real estate's a shyster. And this this kicked off on Reddit a couple of months ago. People said, no, the local commercial real estate brokers all band together and they pay her to put the sign up so she can quote a crazy amount to justify the brokerage community inflating their own rents. Oh Not true. Would actually um, be probably a violation of our ethics and we would have our licenses removed. Oh, unbelievable. Like... Uh, even in the, this guy's post, the, the comment they were because people were commenting saying that makes no sense. Sixty thousand dollars in rent for eighty one hundred square feet of retail, um, you know, restaurant space, and I do a lot of retail, and that's just, and, and you know, I get when you get down to Spring Garden Road and the rents can get high, but on Portland Street in that whole area for that building, I just can't see. And and the other funny part was they're like the landlord jacked their rent up from forty to sixty. They own that building. They own the building. They own the building. Yeah. So this is a common, common they jack thing. their own rent up. And, and the other thing I as well... I show you that TikTok. I'll send it to you. Yeah, send it over to you. <laughs> like it or not, um, and this is harsh, but you know, Alec and I, we're the two straight-talking commercial real estate guys locally. Yeah. No bullshit with us. No. The Just on the podcast. The, um, the landlord or the owner has every right to execute his succession plan, which clearly was allowing the value of the lot to rise yep. and to sell it. And yep. people out there don't like the fact that that also includes having to let employees go, which is yeah. very unfortunate. And I think he has to do it the right way, ethically, and he has to provide severance and he has to provide onward value for the people who've dedicated a lot of their working life yeah. to him. But the bottom line is, if we were your broker and, and you, you know, can he do this? Absolutely he can. It's a very smart decision yep. to sell the land your building is, is based on. Yep. So it could be bought by a car dealership. I mean, they have you know, probably yeah. have the money to do it. Six point five, maybe not at six point five, but and then people are going nuts about that price. And it was like, well, it is what it is. If he thinks he can get six point five for it, then he's going to get six point five for it. He's going to give it his best shot. Whoever his agent is is going to give it their best shot. Maybe he will get it. Maybe I don't he know. will get it. Who knows? You never know who's going to come by. So that's why I got out of the. I had to get out of the, the comment section of that TikTok, but I will send it to you so you can take a look and, and it, it, send it over. It, it's funny, and then that's why I'm not going to name the podcast, but you'll see it when you. Crack it open. Um, so that's new kids new, on the block. New kids, a, no kids. Basically, yeah. a Collins Cranston rent. So we'll see exactly about real estate, which is fun. Uh, I will say again, if you or anybody you know is opening a new business in Halifax or Nova Scotia in general, heck, Atlantic Canada, because Cushman and Wakefield Atlantic, uh, we span across Atlantic Canada. We have offices in uh, Newfoundland, PEI, New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia. So we have boots on the ground all over the place. So we'd be happy to talk about any new business. Uh, if you wanted to, and we could get some input from our from our agents there. 
So reach out to us. I think it's HalifaxPodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, it still has only received two emails. Two emails from James's uh, brother and my uncle Jeff. Thanks oh, again, Oh, and the guys. third one was the penis enlargement pills. Yes, well, I subscribed but I, I, to that yeah, one. Yeah, that, no, that was a genuine inquiry. Yeah. No, <coughs> genuine no way, inquiry from me. So. No way Bill lets this one, that one stay. But that was not that, spam. That was funny, though. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... No kids on the block. But again, if you have something, reach out. Uh, use it. We got, uh, well, James doesn't use Instagram anymore, but LinkedIn, you can find us both, James Collins and Alec Cranston on LinkedIn. Um, well, let's, uh, I say we jump ahead to our yeah. final segment of the day. Reddit Roundup. The Reddit Roundup. Reddit Roundup. Haligonians losing their minds over minor inconveniences. All right. Right around up. We got two. I'm going to burn through the first one yeah. because I think the second one is just, we're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, with yeah, it. yeah. Um, the first one is this was posted two weeks ago from Nick by 1946, who said, This is Halifax proposes paid parking for nights and Saturdays. Good. I'm assuming his name is Nick. Um, let me try to paraphrase this. He said, This could cost more than the fees it brings in. This is the proposal that Halifax will soon be switching on meters, I believe, on um, uh, evenings and Saturdays. He says, I'm one of those guys who only goes downtown weekend and weeknights to visit some eating establishment, or he said easting establishment because he clearly can't spell. If there is no free parking at that time, there's lots of other places with free parking to give business to. Uh, He's saying he'll probably go there, blah, 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 blah. Uh, City claims he'll get about three quarters of a million a year but he's wondering how much the restaurants and everything else Mm. will lose. So discussion topic boiled down. Yeah. Halifax proposes paid parking for nights and Saturdays. Typical topic for Reddit to just tear apart like Romans in an amphitheater. Yeah, definitely. And I have two comments here from two different points of view. Uh, Daniel Plainview 92 says, street parking takes some of the most profitable areas of our downtown and turns it into near useless eyesores that only serve a limited number of drivers. 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 Almost any anything else would be a better use of these spaces, but at the very least, the city is right to try and extract some value, as almost every other major city does. There are plenty of reasonably priced parking options downtown. Um, free street parking just doesn't make sense anymore. So I'm going to read that comment, and I'll say what part of it I agree with, and I'll read the next one. Um, the eyesores portion. I agree there are parts of Halifax that are just jam-packed with cars on the street at, at nighttime, um, and on the weekends, that just take away from what's kind of around it, whether it's a historical building or a new building or a nice walking area. Um, and people don't have to pay, so they just park their car there and they leave it there. Um, I can't relate as much because I live downtown, so I don't have to go through the the pain of parking downtown. I can walk everywhere. Yuppie. <laughs> and then this, this guy, uh, St. Lady Lazarus, said, I am so ludicry, ludicry. I am so ludicrously, I've been using the word ludicrous a lot lately, by the way, against this. The amount of people that go downtown, find some street parking, paid or free, go have dinner and drinks, and then realize they've had one too many drinks and should find another way home, and then they come pick up their car in the morning are not going to do that anymore. It's one more reason why people are going to choose to drink and drive while not giving reasonable alternatives to avoid it. Um, 100%. I actually circled this comment. Oh, you did? Really? Sorry for taking it from you there. No, no. But what do you think? I, I think I, I agree. I think it's tough. I mean, when you come downtown, I mean, you're, I'll get you to elaborate because you're a perfect example of uh, you come from Bedford, right? When mm. you come downtown, it's, it's, it's a pain in the ass if you have to Uber both ways. It's expensive too. It's expensive, It is, right? and, so. and, you know, I'm, I'm about 50 bucks in with a tip each way from Bedford. Yeah. So my opinion is I completely agree with this, number one. I come from the UK where this is a really common thing where if people have to pay to park, they jump in the cars, and every single year there's some 
just tragic story with, with the outcome of that. So yes, 100%. Um, St. Lady Lazarus, I do agree. I think one attraction is leaving your car there for free and, and coming back and getting it the next day. But, you yeah. know, I come from Bedford and we visit downtown. Well, if I'm not here for work, I'm here at least once or twice every weekend. But the big thing I think is we spend money when we come downtown. Yeah. So we we are not here. We The waterfront's nice. Point Pleasant Park's beautiful. But I don't sit there and say to my wife on a Saturday, you want to just gonna go and wander the streets yeah. in downtown Halifax. If we're making the trip in from Bedford, we're going to spend some money. Yeah. So we are contributing that way. Uh, the other thing is, and, and I, I could get roasted over the coals for this, I'm mm-hmm. making the assumption that, that revenue from HRM Police's ticketing and revenue from parking hopefully ends up in the same pot. But we, I don't see traffic cops on the road these days. It's funny. Why yeah. don't they just start nailing some of these awful drivers and using that revenue instead? Because as someone who com- commutes downtown most days from Bedford... Um, I'm probably passing visibly two or three people on their phones texting while they're driving. Yeah. Uh, half a dozen people pulling maneuvers which are clearly illegal. And if the cops just nailed a few of those, we would actually generate the same amount of revenue that we would switching the meters on and not pissing people off. Yeah. So much bad driving, in my opinion, goes unnoticed. Yeah, I agree. Why don't if the if the, if the municipality wants more money? And again, this is working under my assumption, which might be wrong, that all the money ends up in the same pot. Um, the cops, uh, the dollar signs are already on the drivers. Yeah. Don't, don't punish people going downtown on evenings and weekends, you know? Yeah, they're going to spend a ton of money. And if, if you come down, you know your parking is going to be free or paid and you can leave your car overnight, you're inherently probably going to spend more money downtown and stay out later. Because if you come down, you can't park for free or you can't park overnight. Well, maybe one of you isn't having as many drinks as you wanted to and then you yeah. drive home. And uh, not spending as much downtown. So we'll kind of see how that goes. Uh, one funny comment I saw was, and this is where uh, I'm, I'm torn. Find the Uber Eats and Skip drivers who still park on Spring Garden Road, thus clogging it up. They do. However, I want them to because I want them to get my food quickly and in and out and then get it up to me so it's still warm. I don't want them to have to park down the road, pay for it, then come up grab the food, and then my food gets warm or cold, and then it gets delayed. So you know what? That's one part I don't agree with. Uh, Skip and Uber drivers, please continue to park illegally. Please be above the law. Please be above the law. Park illegally in tow zones, accessibility zones, no parking, no stopping. Do that for me. And remove speed limits, right, for the Uber Eats Oh, everything. And do that for me, and I may consider the $1 tip when it's all said and done. (laughs) Well, people get annoyed that there's folks that park downtown, and they just simply put the word courier on their dashboard. Oh, really? And everyone says it's really unfair. But when you work in an industry like Alec Cranston and I, which is deadline-driven, and you need to get documents to a lawyer and they need to be there by five, as long as they're not holding up ambulances and police cars, I don't care if my courier's blocking a bus. Yeah. We got got to close the deal. Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. Well, that's uh, interesting. That's number one. We'll see how that shakes down. We'll see how that shakes down. What's up with number two, Alec? And I don't mean your recent bathroom experience. Hey, Baruns. Number two, bit of a general topic, but it came up in the past month, so I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about. Uh, What's the name here? Link Hanford. Link Hanford. Uh, Oh, he's one of the comments. Sorry. Anyways, the topic... Societarian is the... Societarian? Societarian. Societarian. Tell me about Halifax lore. Oh, like there... There is so much to talk about here. It was a very long thread. I can only choose so many topics to talk about i think you said you might have your own your i've got own i'm lore. gonna sit back here and just listen to you because i've got some i definitely want to mention so yeah okay is, so I'll, I'll mention this is alec cranston hour i'm all ears i'll mention the ones the ones that i got here so uh this one's interesting this is this is link hanford true story and 
I'm just going off of this guy. So if there's a St. Pat's High School alumni that wants to correct me or provide more information, please reach out. St. Pat's High School had a rifle range in the basement. There was a gun club at the school until 2001 or 2002. I'm getting some nods. It's true? Yeah, oh, some people wow. in the studio here telling us this is true. Wow. Okay. By the end of St. Pat's life, um, the rifle range was used as a storage area for the flats and big set pieces for the musical. Allegedly, per Link Lanford's grandfather, who claimed to help build the school, the reason they had a rifle range was so the boys could get an education and learn to shoot if war were declared again, and they had to go, uh, and provide another place for the soldiers in the armory to practice. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's I never knew that until I came across right. I should know that. Because uh, St. Pat's, uh, t- along with QEH, turned into Citadel High. I should know that. So this is the old... Okay, yeah, the one, the, the big ish. red brick one across the street they demolished about 10 years ago. Is that the one? Okay. Yeah. All gone. It's okay, gone, yeah. Gone so now. you're talking to someone here who's um, yeah, no. only been here for a decade. Very interesting. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, What's up nuts? next? Uh, I got a couple more here. Uh, one's a bit of a quick fire, a bunch. So it's just from Fake Zaga. Fake Zaga. Zaga Zaga. I don't know. Fake Zaga. The urban, here's a few. He's got, what, seven, six? The urban myth of the tunnels from George's Island to Citadel. The oft-repeated myth that there are more bars per capita than anywhere in the world. The explosion window in St. Paul's Church that is supposed to look like the face of a man. I think we've talked about that yeah. one here when uh, Mr. Adams was here. The black window at Jubilee and Roby. Hmm. Whatever the hell is going on with that one empty house on Spring Garden Road. That's the one. Yeah, that's, that's got to be one. the one. Retail the for one. retail for it's rent. It's all those commercial real estate brokers trying to screw you. I actually had someone that call and ask about it one time and ask if it was for rent. And I was like, I literally said, you want to be in there? Like the look at well, that. Well, the, the truth is, she is renting it. She's trying to rent it. But everyone thinks that again. Have you ever called the cooking scheme? Uh, I would not call. I just imagine it's a voicemail of heavy, heavy we'll, breathing or something. We'll we'll look. We'll, hang, we'll link it up to the soundboard one day and call that number and see what happens. And lastly, they said hello. Hey, I'm looking to rent out my retail space. Uh, <laughs> I could take that a lot of ways, a lot of jokes, yeah. but I'm not going to do it. Um, the story about the curse on the Harbor Bridges. They didn't really elaborate there. Uh, and then finally, from Coffee Calms Me Down. <laughs> Coffee Calms Me Down. I like that one. This is more of a story, it looks like. A philosophy professor once bought a burger and a pop from the dog father. You've heard of the dog Oh, father. yeah, yeah. The professor gave him a $20, and he pocketed the whole thing. When the prof asked for his change, the dog father replied, change comes from within. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a joke, and then he gave the change over, hopefully. Oh, I like that. Change comes from this within. This is the guy up at Dal, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the dog father. Okay. Change so I used to walk up that way, and um, I have been there once. Yes, he's cash only. Yeah. And wonderful food. It's really good. Change really does come from within. Imagine doing that in like another scenario. Chains come from they overpay your rent. That sounds just, like something Tracy Kim Hardman would say. Oh, boom, boom. I like it. She's a she's been a recurring the change theme. on your six hundred grand. <laughs> she's a recurring theme on this one. Uh, I'll flip it over to you there, James. You got some stuff to talk about with this. Yeah, yeah. The, the one is really quick. It's from Happy Revenue. Says the uh, the iFix noisy fans guy is also a cab driver apparently, and every time he accelerates, he whistles and screams at the car like you would on a horse. <laughs> and, and I thought this was a joke, and lots of people are substantiating it underneath, saying, "Yep, yeah, the uh, iFix uh, noisy." fans guy is a cabbie and he's amazing <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna talk music here um i've got a couple of sound clips um Ooh. loaded up i don't know these sound clips let me now, alec you were born in 97 correct so when music was released in 99 uh you probably don't remember some of the great hits do you remember len the canadian band len do you remember this song come on alec 
I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, is this? I don't know. Okay. I can't tell because 99. Yeah, I don't know if that's something my mom, Jamie, my mom would you remember? listen to or not. Yeah, here we go. Okay, so any any one of, of 13 above will remember this song. It was huge. I grew up in the UK. It was huge in the UK. We sung it all summer. It was it was from Land Steel, My Sunshine. Oh, you, did. you just sat around for <clears throat> all summer just saying it. Well, that song was 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 supposedly written here in Halifax. Oh. Supposedly was written right here. Have you ever heard this before? No, written here in Halifax, and it gets even crazier. So uh, Way Mason, Councillor Way Mason, yep. a lot of people know he spent two decades in the music industry before. So Len, this band, actually released all of their previous albums through Way Mason's uh, record label. Then they ditch him, and they go elsewhere, and they release this, and it becomes a global hit. Wow. So he lost out there. So this this was on on, on Reddit, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, you would be way more uh, interested in this story, Alec, if you knew the song, but you, you were uh, three years old. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm just trying to think if it was something that would have been blasted through. My mom always blasted music through the house. Oh, your parents will, uh, when you listen to this with them, will say, yes, I absolutely remember right, the mom, song. Mom, let um, me know if you know So w- Wayne Mason owned a company called No Records, and he founded it in 93. So with Len, he released a few few records. Superstar in 94, uh, Get Your Legs Broke in 96, oh. and then th- this came along without him in um, in 99. Uh, but there were some pretty, pretty funny comments. So <clears throat> pretty funny comments off the back of it. Um, where are we here? The Vast was talking about recording, Way Mason recording with Len. And he said, uh, Way went out for pizza one night after a late night recording session, but they were sold out. He was so upset, he vowed revenge. And 20 years later, here we are. Wow. Harking back, of course, to the story mm-hmm. of throttling the uh, the pizza shops. Wow, full circle. And then th- now I've got some of my own law. Oh. My own law, which, which didn't make it onto this thread, but it is related. I like your lore. To music. Now, anybody who's a fan of The Office, oh yeah, you know where I'm going with this? Do you remember this? You and I discussed this via text about a year ago, late one evening under the covers. We talked a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> next to each other, the dinner party was a huge one. Right, I know, why, you I, know where I'm going now. I, oh, is it Buddy, the guy? Yeah, yeah. Widely regarded as one of the best episodes oh, of The Office, yeah. and in Alec and I's opinion, it is one of the greatest. So this was yeah. 2008. Um, there was a scene in there where Hunter, who was Jan's old assistant, who was also a songwriter, had, had released uh, a song, which clearly was about the fact that Jan took his virginity and slept with a guy way younger than her. This is the song. It's called That One Night. We'll just play a little clip from it here. <laughs> We can do the best line together. Wait for it. Okay, so so that's the that's the song. Any any big fans of The Office will will know that. Oh man. Well, would you believe it? That was written by a guy from Dartmouth. Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Wow, they're so, good for something. I'm taking. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I take it back. We'll cut that out. <laughs> I can't say that. The Dark Side produces good music. So Todd Fancy, the band The New Pornographers, was apparently contacted by, um, got the name here. Oh, I don't have the name, but it was the VP of Creative Services at NBC who 
and this is funny for Todd because he had no context, was explaining the concept behind the episode. And apparently Todd is on their list of kind of approved contributors and songwriters. And he says, we're trying to write this comedy song about a uh, you know, young guy talking about a cryptic experience, which is clearly the fact a much older woman took his virginity. And uh, he was a huge fan of The Office at the time. And they said, hey, do you want to have a shot at writing a song? Story goes, he went down to his basement that evening and wrote it. Oh, wow. He had some guidance on the lyrics because they had to go in a certain direction. Yeah. He put the melody and melody together and... Um, and uh, wrote the whole thing in his apartment. Now, he lived in Vancouver at the time, but he, he was from Dartmouth. So oh. that's an interesting bit of law. And I, I love office clips. I've got one here for Alec, just, from that, just from that episode. It, it, there's, no, there's no lead in or context no, okay. required yeah, here. Let, let's listen to it. I said that I wanted to have kids, and you said that you wanted me to have a vasectomy. <laughs> what did I do? And then oh, when you said that you might want to have kids, and I wasn't so sure who had the vasectomy first. first. And then when you said you definitely didn't want to have kids, Reverse back. Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. I did. You have no idea the physical toll the three vasectomies have on a person. Uh, it's classic. Oh, I love uh, what an episode. And then when he, my favorite is when. <laughs> To the, the plasma TV, the flat screen, oh, yeah. as it folds into the wall. And it's got surround sound. And, and then she, so she throws the uh, Dundee. Dundee. <laughs> Dundee. And he goes, what do you say? What's he say? Have fun buying a new one on your on your zero salary plus benefits a year, Zero babe. dollar a year salary plus benefits, babe. Yeah. Oh, what a canon of an episode. Anyway, so we can link that episode right here to Nova Scotia. So Todd awesome. over in Dartmouth and then actually over in Vancouver. Thank you for that. Um, that was Reddit Roundup. And I think, was there anything else we wanted to discuss? I think that's, that's the episode, right? I, I think that's the episode. Sean, thank you again. What a terrific guest. Um, I'm sorry I wasn't there for the conversation, but I have, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it went great and I'm looking forward to actually listening to it. Yeah. But uh, knowing Sean and knowing James, I'm sure it was a very fun conversation the two we just talked about you the whole they time love, they both love to talk about nova scotia and they both love linkedin that was matter of facts and you're probably listening to this in march or april we're creeping up in the weather hopefully next time we will be in shorts maybe not quite but getting there yeah, we're getting pretty close i think i think we we have our next one coming up pretty soon we do this whole recording things out of whack you guys listen to this i think in a pretty uniform monthly fashion but we record these sometimes we don't do them for six weeks and then we record two very close together so uh not for you to worry about keep listening and um keep uh, keep sending us insults and praise and anything else you want to cash is accepted as well um but uh, we would rather you donate that to your local church okay um yeah. anything else to say oh no nothing i just uh anything else you want to put on the record before we commit this to the history books no i'm feeling pretty good about this episode it's good to be back in, in the studio i feel like it's been a while beautiful day we got a beautiful view of the wave and the view of the ocean we're now in our new offices for cushman and wakefield at the queen's mark did you pronounce it mark mark oh yeah well, i actually had this discussion on the weekend with my wife because some people called it queen's marquee i'm hearing that i got queen's some mark. arguments with people but i'm pretty sure Qu it's queen's mark, mark. i don't know yeah, yeah, we're in the works. queen's mark now so it's a quick uh, a quick little shuffle from here to the offices so we're, we're excited about that so yeah thank you for tuning in um follow us and subscribe on all of our platforms email us halifaxpodcast at gmail.com uh, DM James Ryan LinkedIn if you want to ask any questions or anything you want to hear talked about or you want to come on the podcast where you're definitely open to hearing that and a shout out to all our fans specifically uh, James's brother and my uncle Jeff thanks again for supporting oh this is the perfect play I hear uh, you took me by the hand from Paul McCartney on the Christmas episode to this and then Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Brendan Fraser next week <laughs>